Friends, you ready? We're going we're gonna to dig into something rich and deep this morning. And so I'm, there's going to be a lot of dots this morning. And I'm going to work real hard to help you connect the dots on something really powerful. But you are going to have to work this morning to connect the dots. If you just sit there and don't work to connect the dots this morning, you're going to get to the end of the sermon and go, I don't know what just happened. All right, you ready? This morning, we are going in, we're in our series on the authentic gospel, and we're going to look at the gospel through the lens of covenant. And covenant is something that I don't know how much you know about, how much you've studied, um, but I'm going to make a really bold statement here at the beginning that I, I believe is true. Covenant is the way that God chose to relate to us and be in relationship with us as human beings. And if you don't have a deep understanding of covenant, and then you can't relate to God out of the understanding, you've missed the very backbone of the gospel. Pretty bold statement, right? So in that, let's dig in. Covenant is an Eastern culture mentality, which is why it's so hard for us in the West to often understand it. We have to work hard to try to understand something that comes from the East Because we don't experience it a lot. What's the only covenant that we have in our culture? Marriage. Marriage. It's the only one. We don't have covenants here. We don't do covenants. We do business agreements. We do contracts. We do sign your name on the dotted line. If you break this, we'll sue you. Right? That's how we function here. That's not covenant mentality at all. Let me make some, let me describe what covenant is a little bit here to try to get you to come with me. A covenant is a relationship where two people or two parties choose to make a binding, life-altering promise to each other in order to be 100% committed to each other for the rest of their lives as they work together to reach a common goal. So with this covenant, it is accompanied by oaths and ceremonies called a covenant-cutting ceremony, which we're going to talk about. But covenants, they do contain obligations and commitments, but they differ from business contracts in that their their foundation is really based in relationship and trust and deep partnership, right? Like we said, think marriage. In, in, In a marriage, in love, a husband and a wife choose to enter into a covenant relationship with each other binding themselves to one another in a lifelong faithfulness and devotion, right? And then they work as partners to reach a common goal, like building a career or raising children together. That's a picture of covenant and the only one we've really got. Covenants are one of the most important themes in the Bible because they act as the skeleton upon which the entire redemptive story is built. That's how big a deal this is. They are like the backbone of the, of the Bible and the gospel. From Genesis on, God enters into one covenant relationship after another, after another. And why does he do this? God's goal is to use covenants to rescue his world. This was his plan that he chose. He used covenants to rescue us. And these covenant relationships push that story of salvation forward until it reaches its climax in Jesus and his final new covenant which maybe you, have, maybe you know something about. Thus, to tell the gospel story is to tell the story of God's redeeming his people through covenant. That's what the gospel is. 
So covenant relationships are really common in the Bible in the Old Testament. There are lots of different types. Uh, we're not going to go into, we're only going to go into one, but there are personal covenants that people make personal covenants with each other. Maybe the most famous one is David and Jonathan. If you've ever studied that in the Old Testament, how these two men came into a covenant together, powerful. There are covenants between God and individuals. You may have heard of these. I don't know how much you understand, but God had a covenant with Adam, the very first man, right? God had a covenant with with Noah. God had a covenant uh, with Abraham. God had a covenant with Moses and the people of Israel. God had a covenant with David. So covenanting was a central part of what it meant to live in the culture that the Bible was written in, in the East. Okay, Today, I'm going to focus on a covenant between two nations and the two kings of those two nations and how that applies to our current life because it's outrageous. Um, so you've got two nations, hundreds, thousands of people. And so what I've just described, how are you going to get hundreds and thousands of people to come into this kind of an intense covenant relationship with each other. How is that going to happen? Because the covenant relationship isn't just between the two leaders. It's not just between the two kings. It's between everybody in, underneath, in, in those two kingdoms trying to come together in unity into a covenant relationship. So here's what happens. Um, Each side picks what's called a covenant representative. And that, that word is the word we're going to use for the rest of the sermon. That's going to be the center. So the two sides pick a covenant representative to represent all the people, right? And it's much more than like in our culture where you just vote, right? It's not a voting thing. It is a representing thing, right? And so the covenant representative, what, what happens to him literally falls onto the people, that, that represent him. What he does happens to them. What his choices are and his actions do affect all of the people in a very literal way. So what happens to the covenant representative happens to us. Say that with me. What happens to the covenant representative happens to us. That's weird because that doesn't happen in our culture. We don't let anybody do that, right? But that's how covenant, covenants work. And so if we were in covenant, we would live and die by what our covenant representative does. Does he keep the covenant or does he break it? Right? So you'll understand the role of a covenant representative a lot more as as we walk through what is a covenant cutting ceremony? What does this look like? What does it mean for what does it mean for two nations to come together and to cut a covenant with each other? for the rest of their lives. Well, this is what happens. Um, There's an engagement period. Sound familiar? Right? What happens when you're engaged? Well, you're going to get married, but you are spending a lot of time thinking about what am I about to do? And what is this going to be like? What is this going to be in the really awesome side? And what is this going to cost me? What is it going to take to be committed in my life, for the rest of my life, to this person. It's pretty sobering. It's exciting, lots of planning, but it's sobering, isn't it? So same, thing, same way with the covenant cutting ceremony. All the people are starting to get to come to terms with what the, the seriousness and the intensity of what we are about to do. 
And in the midst of this, they pick their covenant representative. Who is the person that we trust and honor and respect the most? Who is the one that is going to be our representative? Because what happens to him is going to happen to us. Right? So they pick their covenant representative. And then the day arrives, and every single person in those nations comes to a field and stands in one circle. All the people from one side on this side, all the people from the other side on this side, and everybody stands in a circle. And everybody watches as the two covenant representatives walk to the middle of the circle. Here's where it's going to get a little wild, because you know what they do? They take some very large animals, and they sacrifice them. We don't do that here. Um, They take some large, we're talking about bulls and lambs and sheep, and they sacrifice them, and then they cut them in half, okay? Not this way, but this way, right? So here in the middle of the circle, and it sounds a little bit weird, but here's why. So then they take these two halves, and they put one half of the animal on one side towards those people, and one half of the other side on the other people, and, and what's happening here in the middle? Lots of blood. This is called the the valley of blood, the valley of the shadow of death, right? And so where the two covenant representatives, where do they stand as they're going to make all of these promises and vows to each other? They stand in the blood, right? And why do they do that? Well, part of it is because they're saying, I'm going to make these promises, and if I fail on these promises, May it be to me as it is to these animals. If I break the covenant, it means death. That's how serious this is, right? So that's part of the reason why blood is involved, is because the life is in the blood. That's the scriptural understanding. Life is in the blood. And so when blood is shed, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about something that deep, all right? The next thing is the two covenant representatives, they, they literally take off their clothes and they give their clothes to the other covenant representative. I don't know if they, strip, I don't know if they take their underwear off or not. I don't know. It doesn't say. Um, but why are they doing this? Because everything that I have is now yours. And everything that you have is now mine. Everything of my people's is your people's. And everything of these people's is now your people's. Everything belongs to all of us. We are in this together. You remember in the prodigal son story? Remember when the, when the, when the father goes to the older son? And, and what does he say to the older son? He says, everything I have is yours. That's always been the case, son. That's covenant language. It comes out of an understanding and covenant. Everything I have is yours. That's what it means to be in covenant. And the two covenant representatives, they take off their belt. And what's on their belts? Well, all of their weapons, all the things they use to defend themselves. And they take off their belt and all their weapons, and they give it to the other covenant representative, and he gives them his. Because it's a pledge. It's a pledge of defense. It's a pledge of we are going to protect each other. I'm going to protect you like you are actually me. You ever gone by those signs like, drive in our neighborhood like you live here? Kind of, kind of thing. 
That's the idea. It's like, I am going to defend you like you are me. We are now one at that kind of a level. Right? They take their hands and they cut a slit. And and there's blood that flows out. And they put their hands together and they mix the blood. Because the life is in the blood. And I am now you and you are now me. We are one. What happens to you happens to me. You see how intense this is? This is what a covenant is. Are you starting to think forward a little bit into how this applies to our life? Are you connecting the dots? I will lay down my life for you because your blood is my blood. Right? I am one with you. What did Jesus pray in John 17? He's about to be executed and crucified. And what did he pray? He says, Father, I pray that they would be one as we are one. That as you are in me and I am in them, that they would be united. That's covenant. That's covenant language. That's covenant understanding, what Jesus is praying there. They take a big chalice of wine, and the two covenant representatives each take a drink. Wine is often the symbol of blood, right? Jews aren't allowed to drink blood, so they're not drinking blood. They drink wine. And it's this picture like the blood that is in you is now in me. And then they take this chalice of wine and they pass it around and every single person in the circle drinks out of that chalice. Which is to say, this is my covenant representative. And what is in him is, is now in me. And what is in me is in him. You with me? The life that is in him is now in me. You ever been to a wedding and you get to the part where they're going to eat cake? And have you ever wondered, why do we do this? This is so weird. Like the the bride and the groom take cake and then they, well, hopefully they feed it to each other. Sometimes it gets a little messy. But why why do we do this? It's a picture of covenant. Because if you and I are one, then... When I feed you, it's like I'm feeding myself. Because you and I are one. If, if I feed you, I feed me. You see how that's a picture of covenant? And if I neglect you, it's like I'm neglecting myself. Why would I do that? Cool picture. So what does everybody standing in that huge circle now firmly believe and commit to? All of us here now have the same life in us at a deep level. We have one head, the covenant representative, and what happens to him happens to us. We are one body, one group, one kingdom, moving forward into the same things. And so if you, if you as a person are going to enter a covenant relationship, you as an individual have to die to yourself. Because you have to exchange your life for the life of the covenant representative. That's what happens to to happen in the individuals for them to enter into a covenant. You can't live for yourself and, and, and have the life of the covenant representative. It doesn't work. You can't do it. A covenant representative would often be the king or the ruler, right? And so on that day, you stop being loyal to yourself and you start being completely loyal to the king. 
to the covenant representative. You give up your life. Does that sound familiar? But in dying to yourself, you gain a whole new life. That's the beauty of covenant. Why do, we do, why do they do this? Well, you gain the promise of provision from the covenant representative and the whole kingdom that's under him. You gain the promise of protection and safety and security because we're all in this together at this kind of a deep level, right? When Steve talks about people being in a family together doing ministry, that's the kind of thing. We are family at a deep level, in a covenant kind of level. The promise of community and people living in community with me, people who will help me and people who actually need me as well. It goes both ways. It's the hope of prosperity as you live in submission to the covenant that I have this opportunity to thrive and to be a part of this beautiful covenant thing. But it cost me everything I have. That sound familiar? So in Eastern culture, there is nothing more detestable and dishonoring than to break a covenant. I don't know what you can think of, what's the most dishonoring, worst thing you could ever do. But in the culture where covenant is, the, the worst thing is that you would do anything that would break the covenant. And it's so intense, the respect and the honor of the covenant, once you've gone through all this, is so intense that if you break the covenant, you're killed. You die. That's how intense this relationship is. And how serious it is that we are going to walk together in unity and we're going to be in it together. We're not talking about sinning, right? Breaking a covenant isn't just the same as sinning. It's not like we're talking about people being perfect and not sinning. We're talking about doing things that would break the covenant. There's a lot more to that, but I, we, don't, we don't have time. Um, and so if your covenant representative breaks the covenant, then what? What happens to him happens to you. And so if he breaks the covenant, what's the consequence? Death. And so the consequence of him breaking the covenant is death to you because he is your covenant representative. What happens to him happens to me. Do you see how that works? And so what does this mean for you and me? Everybody in this room, everybody on this earth, including me, when you were born, you were born into a covenant. You were born into the covenant of Adam. This is where I go. I don't know how much of a, we understand this, right? This may be real new. Some of you are looking at me like a little glassy. You were born into a covenant with Adam. And what did Adam do? He is your covenant representative. And Adam broke the covenant. And death to him was to be kicked out of the garden and, and the death of the, his relationship with God. His relationship was got, with God was killed because he broke the covenant and that's how covenants work. Right? And so you were born into the covenant with Adam. And Adam broke the covenant. The consequences to you are the death of your relationship with God. Did anybody here grow up and the first thing you can remember in your life, your first memory is just how intense 
your relationship with God is and how powerful and beautiful it is and wonderful and it gives me everything. Anybody have that experience? No. We're very aware that we grow up and, and we do not have a relationship with God right off the bat. That's not a thing. Because of what Adam did. What happens to Adam happens to us. And it's funny, it's because it's not because of your sin, is it? This is where it gets a little tricky. Why, why is your relationship with God destroyed? Because of your sin? No. Because of Adam's sin. So when you talk about when we talk about original sin a little bit, you get into that theological, it's really weird for us in the West to see this beautiful baby come out and to hear spiritually that you've been born into sin. Well, that's weird. Kid hasn't done anything yet. I mean, when he gets to be two or three, I could see, you know, I mean, then it becomes pretty clear, right? But, but when it first comes out, this precious little, and, and the, the, the church is telling me that this, you, this little child has been born into sin, well, that seems ridiculous. But if you understand covenant, you understand why that is, right? You ready for some good news? I want you to watch what God does. This is incredible. So we're going to go to Genesis 15. And Jesus is going to, or God is going to form a covenant with Abraham. Some of you are familiar with this, but I'm not sure if you've connected the dots. Connect the dots. Here we go. So God has made all these promises to Abraham. And Abraham responds and says, Sovereign Lord, how can I know? that I will gain possession of all these promises. So Abraham's wrestling. He's like, this, all sounds, this covenant sounds really great, Lord, but how do I know? And so the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And if you don't understand covenant, you're like, what is happening right now? Right? How is this God's response? Abraham brought all these things to the Lord and cut them in two. Not this way, this way. And he arranged the halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. I guess they're too small. I don't know. Then the, then it's a little funny. The birds of prey that are flying around came down and, and started to eat the carcasses, but Adam drove them away. Abraham drove them away. I don't know why that's important, to be really honest, but Abraham's in. He's going to protect the carcasses because they're important, right? As the sun was setting, God put Abraham into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to him, it seems like the Lord's talking to him in a dream now, it doesn't say, but he's asleep and the Lord's talking to him. The Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years in Egypt, we, we find out, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish that nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. So that's part of the promise. And now watch what happens. So where, where's Abraham? Is he between the carcasses? Is he between the halves of the animals? No, he's... He's over here. How is God going to cut a covenant with him if he's not in the middle? 
It says, when the, sun, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the animals in the valley of blood. And on that day, it says, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. But he's over here. So God makes a covenant, but, but who, who is the smoking pot and who is the, the flaming torch? It's God the Father is the smoking pot, and the flaming torch is Jesus, his son. And so on that day, God, the Father, makes a covenant with Jesus, his son. Or maybe it's a foreshadow of what is, is to come. I'm, it's not exactly clear. But it's called an Abraham, a, a, a covenant with Abraham. But it's actually God showing that he's going to make a covenant with himself. So why does he do this? What is this about? Come with me to, I'm going to put this one on the screen. Come with me to Romans chapter 12. Sorry, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 9, 19. Here's a few verses. See, see if, now that you understand covenant a little bit, See if these verses make some sense to you. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. Who's that one man? Yes, sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And death entered the world through sin. So why, why did death come? Why did death come? Because the covenant was broken. Death came because Adam broke the covenant, and that's how death entered the world through sin. In this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Why did death come to all men and women because of this? Because Adam's the covenant representative. And when Adam sinned and broke the covenant, everybody under him sinned and broke the covenant. Go down to verse 14. It says, death reigned from the time of Adam. And then there's this little phrase, who is the pattern of the one to come? How is Adam the pattern of the one to come? If you don't understand covenant, that's a really strange thing to try to figure out. What does that mean? Well, how is Adam the pattern of the one to come? Well, Adam was the pattern of a covenant representative. And there is, there is one that is coming that is going to be a new covenant representative for us. You see this? Verse 16, it says, Judgment followed one sin. Whose sin? Adam's. Judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation on all of us. But the gift, who do you think the gift is? Jesus. But the gift followed many sins. What is the gift? The gift is that Jesus becomes our new covenant representative. That's the gift, right? And the gift brought justification. The gift brought restoration of relationship with God that before was impossible. Verse 19, it ends like this. It says, For just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, that's me and you and all of humanity, and so also through the obedience of Jesus, the many will be made righteous. How are all of us going to be made righteous? 
through Jesus because he's our covenant representative. That's how. And so this is why the understanding is this. We only have two options. We are currently in the covenant with Adam. That's where you are. The only other option is to choose to exchange your life with Jesus' life and let him become your covenant representative. And then what happens to him happens to you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Is that Jesus and, and the Father have a covenant that cannot be broken because they are the two covenant representatives. And they're perfect. And the love that they have for each other is unimaginable. Right? So I don't know how much of this you're picking up on. I don't know how many, how, how, many, how many of these dots you've been able to put together. But this understanding covenant is a, is a revelation of how, of how God designed us to live and to live in covenant underneath him. Right? And my teaching today is, is literally the tip of the iceberg. Right? I don't know how well I did at summarizing this. I did my best. Right? It gives you a small taste of the power of covenant. But there is a way here at Boulder Valley to dig deep into covenant and to really understand at a deep level what covenant is and then more importantly, to learn how, what does it mean to live my life in covenant with God. Covenant is one of the primary focuses of the ultimate journey, which is our discipleship, one of our core discipleship ministries. And we, focus at, we spend weeks understanding the depths of covenant. And more importantly, what does it look like to actually trust our covenant representative for his provision? Because he is our provider. What does it mean to actually trust the Lord to provide for all of your needs and to not live in fear, to not live in anxiety, but to trust at this kind of deep covenant level? I can tell you when I went through the ultimate journey four years ago for the first time, walking through covenant was a revelation, and it changed my life. It changed how I, how I understood God's functioning and what it means to trust him for his provision and to not be anxious and to not stress out. My ability to trust because I understood and applied covenant to my life went way high, and it's changed how I walk and how I follow Jesus. And so I, as your pastor, I, I want a lot of you to go through that. I want a lot of you to learn how to live in covenant. And you saw the video that we showed a couple weeks ago. There's people, so many people from our church that have gone through this and understanding covenant transformed their life. And you saw a few testimonies of what that took. And so part of my excitement in talking about covenant today is the hope that you will be thirsty and you will press in and you will go through the ultimate journey and learn what it means to live in covenant, because this is the gospel. This is the good news, that Adam, our covenant representative, failed. And yet, while we were enemies of God, God became flesh and walked on this earth and formed a covenant with his Father. And then he died on a cross and took all of the curse that was on Adam, and he took it on himself, and he died with it and paid for it and crushed it. And then he, he rose again from the grave. He came back to life. And so what happens to him, if you would go into covenant with Jesus, what happens to him happens to you. 
When Jesus dies, your sin dies. It's dead. It's paid for. It's crushed. And when Jesus rises to life, you get to rise with him into eternal life for forever. Right? And God says, if you come into covenant with me, you get to live and have what I have. Because that's how covenant works, right? This is why the scriptures say it is, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through yourselves? No, you, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus being your covenant representative. Your faith is in his, in, in what he is doing and that he is perfect. That's the beautiful thing about faith through grace is that it doesn't rely on your perfection. It has actually nothing to do with your behavior. It has nothing to do with your success. It has nothing to do with your failure. It has everything to do with Jesus' perfection. And that's it. And that's why it's such a beautiful, powerful, freeing thing if you start to really understand what covenant means and what this is about. So the God of the God of universe says this. He says, come lay down your life. Come let my life become your life. Exchange life with me. And let me be your covenant representative. And then I will provide for you because everything I have is yours. That's what the, that's what the Lord, the God of the universe is saying. Communion is going to be a little more of a powerful experience, I hope, for some of you this morning. Don't open it yet. No crinkling. Keep your crinkles to yourself. If you need communion, there's some on the table back there in the back if you forgot to get it on the way in. My hope is that in the context of understanding covenant this morning, that communion takes on a, a new meaning. Because we, we've often heard when Jesus says, "Don't no crinkling, some of you are cheating. Don't do it. Let me explain some things to you. You've heard it said over and over. Jesus said, what did he say before he offered communion to his disciples? What did he say? He says, this is the blood of the new covenant. As Jesus is thinking about dying in just a few hours, and he takes, he takes Passover and transforms it into this whole new thing, the word that he uses to describe what this is, is the word covenant. This is the blood of a new covenant, my friends. I'm about to die and be resurrected, and I'm going to do something brand new. I'm going to take the old covenants that we've been dealing with for 5,000 years or however long, and I'm going to do something new. And it's going to start with my blood and my body, right? This new covenant that I'm going to make is unbreakable. And it's not about you. It's not about your perfection. It's about my perfection, right? And when we make him our covenant representative, what happens to Jesus happens to us. When he dies, our sin dies. When he comes back to life, we're raised to new life. But your life is no longer yours. That's what we in the West don't really understand. We want to have our own life. We want to insert Jesus into my life. I ask Jesus into whose life? I understand why we say this. I'm not condemning it. But this is what we say. I ask Jesus into my life. I'm like, no, you didn't. That's not how it works. 
I exchanged, I laid down my life and I exchanged my life with Jesus' life. And I actually took his life and I put it in my life. That's the correct understanding. I have died to myself. Yep. And then when we go to the baptismal fund, you said you understand how covenant was working in there? What do we say when we're baptized? It's a picture. We're dying to sin in our old life and it goes underneath the water and we're being raised to new life because of the covenant. Because what happens to Jesus happens to me. Aren't you glad he's perfect? To now do the crinkling. All united, all together, all one. Jesus says, I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. I am your provision. Everything I have is yours. Take and eat. This is the blood of the new covenant. Thank you, Lord. The blood of our covenant representative was shed so that we could be forgiven and brought into relationship with God. Take and drink. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to continue to connect the dots. I pray that you would help us to be thirsty for understanding covenant. I pray for wherever there is confusion this morning that you would uh, help us to press in and ask questions and work that out. Ultimately, Lord, I pray that you would help the people in this body to walk, to learn what it means to walk in covenant with you. And it's not of our culture. It's real different, Lord, so we need a lot of help. We're not used to thinking this way. So would you help us? Would you help us to be thirsty? Would you help us to press in? Would you help us to pray about going through the ultimate journey? Lead us, Holy Spirit. Ultimately, I just pray a prayer of thanks. I am so thankful that I do not have to be in the covenant with Adam anymore. I'm so thankful that I get to be in covenant with you and that you are my provider, you are my protector, you are the one that gives me everything that I need, and I can rest because I don't have to do it myself. You do it. So thank you for that peace that surpasses all understanding that comes, and that's what you offer us. You are a God that is so good to us. We love you. We're thankful. We pray in your name. Amen.